So we're back for a season two or from like, you know, summer break, I guess you could say. Um, and I'm here in Florida. It's hot as fuck. It's kind of gross, but like, it's great. It's great. Change from New York. And I'm here with Miss Ashley, Mrs. Ashley James. So, so weird. I know it's really weird. So Ashley and I um, grew up together and we became like really best friends in high school. Um, so I thought it would be great to have kind of like this like homecoming episode of like, Here's my childhood best friend. Ashley, say hi. Hi. Happy to be here. So, Ashley, what we do all the time is, like, just, like, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you live, what your, what's your story all about? Um, well, I live in Central Florida, just outside of Orlando. Um, I've been married for be seven years next month. Which is fucking wild. Outrageous. Um, no kids, just a dog. Um, right now I work for the world's second largest staffing agency. Um, I do sales and recruiting. It's all right. Um, more interestingly, my husband is a manager at Disney and then I was one that gets everyone real excited. Yeah. So like every year I pretty much make a pilgrimage and everybody's like, oh my God, like how do you go to Disney every year? I'm like, well, I don't really pay for it. <laughs> um, Mad hookup. Yeah. So, uh. I spent most of last, the end of last week, I guess you guys will probably hear this like, quote unquote, like a week and a half from now when I release it, but I spent like the end of last week at Disney and I'm going to go tomorrow, which is my last day here. Um, but it's always fun to like come here, veg out. Today, I literally just hung around with Ashley's husband and watched shit TV on Netflix and hung out with her dog, who you might hear in the background. I don't know if the microphone is going to pick him up, but his name's Peggy. Really good me. He's very interested in all this equipment. Yes. Um, okay, so let's start talking about some recent things that have happened. Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson broke up. Okay, yeah. So we were talking about it today because there was that rumor that he texted Mac Miller, which I don't necessarily think because that's that's sort of like a dick move and I don't know why you would do that and I don't get that vibe from Pete Davidson well also Pete Davidson is like very mentally unstable so like I feel like if you understand what it's like to feel like depressed and like you would, he wouldn't be trying to exacerbate that for somebody correct um, also I do think though because three weeks ago when he, on SNL he made jokes about them breaking up and I think if there was trouble in paradise and they were on the verge of a breakup he wouldn't make those jokes so to me, something definitive happened, like something like that, where it, as opposed to like the relationship, they had been fighting and it just like, I think something happened because he wouldn't be making those jokes three weeks ago if there was legitimate 
trouble. Right. And what's also confusing is, so today is Monday. So SNL was on two nights ago, and apparently Ariana was there for the whole entire thing. So something happened yesterday, something happened on Sunday that, like, was super defining. Now, part of me is like, and I don't really think Ariana Grande is this kind of person, and I definitely know Pete Davidson is not, but, like, a part of me is like, is this some, like, publicity stunt? Mm, I don't get that vibe at all. Although, he did just cover that tattoo. He did. And, like, he covered that tattoo, and then, like, her people were like, oh, well, he covered it to match a tattoo that she's got on her leg or something. Which made sense to me at the time, but now in hindsight, I'm like, mm, I don't know about that story, guys. It just it just seems a little odd that one would cover a tattoo and then break off an engagement two weeks later. Right. Like, that just seems like a little too coincidental to me. It's just, I, I don't know. Everything about their relationship is such a whirlwind to me. And, like, I mean, she literally dedicated an entire song on her album for him. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's like a little... I'm, I'm disappointed. As you guys know who have listened to my podcast, I actually think like I was talking... Well, I probably talked about it with a few guests because I'm like obsessed with them, but I don't know why because like I like Ariana Grande, but I'm not particularly obsessed with her. Like I'm like it's not like the level that like Gaga is. But I guess I just always liked Pete Davidson and I like comedians and I like to like believe that like celebrities have real relationships and things. I don't know. Um, so in like lesser like F-list celebrity news, um, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette franchise continues to be like a big firestorm of piling sh- like like shitstorm of shit pile of shit. I don't know what I was trying to say. I was trying to say something about the something house. just about how shit. But wait, what ha- what happened? So, the tea is that Jordan and Jenna, so, I guess I, I keep up a little bit more of, like, The Bachelor's Life after than Ashley does. So I, I which is of, none. I don't keep up any. Last BuzzFeed tells me that someone's broken up. Right, she does not keep up with the I'm too busy keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> right. She's keep up with anyone else. Um, so, Jordan, who was, like, the filleting pile of shit. I think that's the metaphor I was trying to use. Um, Jordan, who was like the wannabe Will, or like, I guess he was a Wilhelmina model, but like, whatever. I know Wilhelmina models and I, I know that he's an attractive guy, whatever. He is what he is. But he got together with Jenna, who actually was kind of like some, like a little bit like vapid, but she was fun. She was bubbly. Um, and they got together on Paradise. They got engaged and I kind of saw them as, like, a good match. I liked them. And actually, obviously, I hated Jordan on The Bachelorette, obviously. But I kind of liked him on Paradise, which was annoying to me because I didn't want to. But, like, he really kind of grew on me. And I, like, he genuinely, I got the impression that he, like, really genuinely cared about her. Correct. I didn't feel like he was putting on a show, which I feel like he's doing most of the time and most things he says and does. But I think they were well suited for each other, right? Yes. Like, both, like, self-centered enough, but found each other, like, very attractive, and that's, like, really important to them, and they both kind of love the social media attention, so I was like, okay, this will probably work. So, Reality Steve, who 
is like the person who breaks everything broke a story about Jenna texting allegedly texting this other man and how it was like me and Jordan's relationship is all fake and then Jordan came on reality Steve's podcast and was like literally this sounds exactly like my Jenna like when I confronted her about it she was like oh I may have been drunk like, if somebody accuses me of something, I'm going to be like, I didn't do it. Right. Even probably if I did do it. Right. <laughs> I'm going to deny it. Right. Even, like, I'm like, Shaggy, it was not me. Right. Um, so the fact that she didn't initially, like, say, and then he was like, I never said that. So she goes on this, like, whole, like, social media thing rant where she's like, forensic evidence, which, okay, maybe correct me if I'm wrong because you're the true pot or true crime person here, but forensic evidence I was under the impression that forensic evidence meant, like, tangible. I don't know. I guess we should maybe Google. Well, there is such a thing as computer forensics where they extract data. So she used that term correctly. I just doubt that there is actually any forensic evidence. Like, I'm sure that they just took that picture and then nothing happened because there was no... And, like, you can get, for you know, forensic evidence about, like, crimes because there's, like, you know, a trail, people Googled whatever. But, like, I'm not sure what forensic evidence would be on a phone about text message. Like, right. So, okay, so I guess the whole thing is just whatever. And then also I think she hired a lawyer, like, straight out of, like, the University of Phoenix's law program. <laughs> Um, because the lawyer was sending these crazy, ridiculous letters to Reality Steve and to Jordan. Um, Anyway, I think it's really fascinating. And then I also found out, too, today um, that Bachelorette contestants or Bachelor slash Bachelorette contestants can make up to, depending on how many followers they have, $5,000 per post. Post? Shit, son. I'm in... I'm in the wrong industry. Right? So apparently, like, Jaden Tanner, I guess, made collectively, like, a million dollars just for their posts. That's outrageous. But then also, like, you have to basically be like, okay, I'm going to be, like, a laughingstock caricature of a person. Well, correct. Because then you're like, I'm an influencer. And that's embarrassing. Like, that's, that's not great, like, to tell your grandma about. I post pictures... What, which the rest of us showing up to like normal jobs every day, we're really the idiots. Like why, why do I wake up at 6.30 in the morning every day of the week to go to work for somebody else for nine hours when I what? could just be posting a dumb picture, hashtag ad, and collecting $5,000. Right, and like hashtag like flat tummy tea or sugar bear hair or whatever the fuck. Right? Also, okay, so let's talk about the queen of ads, the Kardashians. So Ashley and I were talking about this the other day in the car. I don't know a single person, and I know a lot of people who wear makeup. I don't know a single fucking person who owns a piece of KKW beauty. No, nor that, like, wants some. It's not like, oh, it's so great, and I haven't gotten it, or they're sold out, or I can't afford it. It's, no, any person that buys decent makeup, what, no. I don't understand how it even is still a functioning business, because I don't know who is buying it. And, and, like, Kylie Cosmetics, I do know a handful of people who have a lip kit. I, people swear by the lip kit, yes. And I, I know a lot of people that have it. 
But I, I don't know anyone that has any other piece of her cosmetic line. Certainly not her brushes that are like way overpriced. Right. Or like or her eyeshadows or anything. And it's just really fascinating to me. It's like, okay, so this is another thing. It's like, I think about it, It's like, well, what audience are they pandering to? You know, like, because... You know, it's like they're they're branding it as a like a luxury brand, but mm-hmm. like I know a ton of fucking drag queens, and I don't know a single fucking drag queen. And drag queens all wear luxury brand shit, right? So what? Like who who the fuck is KKW's audience? Yeah, that's really. You know what? I'm gonna Google KKW actually because I would be really interested to know like what their yearly sales and like net profit and shit is because I just don't see how she's not losing a ton of money. I mean, maybe she is. Correct. So another thing too is like I, you know, am a little skeptical of most like Instagram shit. Um, you know, I've actually had a few sugar bear hairs because I know somebody who got it. Like I've done, like I've never done flat tummy tea, but I've done like a few of those like supplements or whatever just because people have had it and I've like tried it. The only one thing that I will say is fucking fire, and this is not even me trying to like pick up followers or anything. It's fucking fashion, fashion nova <laughs> jeans. Those motherfucking jeans are built. Or women with motherfucking thick thighs and huge asses who have relatively small waists compared to their asses. And I will say, ladies, do yourself a fucking favor because they're <laughs> not that much. And they also always have fucking coupons. But, like, that's just me being excited that I found a fucking pair of jeans to wear because I can never find a pair of jeans that fits me in my entire life. Yeah, same. So, speaking of, I mean, not jeans, but uh, segue into, so you're training for a half marathon. Yes. Yes, I am. Talk to me about that and how you got into it because I hate running. I hate running so uh-huh. much. I hate it. Every fiber of my being does not want to run at all. Um, so I've never been a runner. Like even when I was in high school, I grew up a dancer. And when I was in high school and like very fit, I still could not hardly run a mile. Yeah, I mean, it took like 20 minutes. I've just never been a runner and therefore never enjoyed it. Um, but for whatever reason, running half marathons always been on my bucket list. Um, and I try to make it a point yearly to cross off one thing off my bucket list every year. Um, and I sort of dicked around about it for the longest time. I'm going to do it. And then one day I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I just signed up. And at the time, um, I hadn't worked out in like two years, probably. And need like really kind of meaningful workout. Not like I was not leading a sedentary lifestyle, but I hadn't had like a meaningful workout. Ashley's job is also very, very taxing. And I know this because I had participated in a show that she had run logistics on. So those, yeah, when I was working there, I moved around a lot. But then after I quit and then I just took a desk job. So I wasn't having that activity at work anymore. And I was not actually working out. Presley cut out. Um, so it was, I was like, I'm just going to do it. And that was kind of it. Um, but I certainly think if I hadn't just said, I'm going to do this and the damn race cost $200. So you're like, I've invested this much money. I'm going to fucking do this right. Um, and that was really the motivation to come home from work every day and put on my shoes and go run. Cause if I would have just woken up and be like, I think I'm going to start running. It would have lasted, like, a week, if that. Same. So, but now, like, I've grown to enjoy it so much. I really look forward to my time on the pavement. And it's definitely, like, there's really something to be said. So when I first started, 
I ran five days a week religiously. I never missed a day. Um, and so there's really something to be said for not accepting excuses from yourself. And like, I live in subtropical climate and I started training, um, in April. So I was, I was going to say like, right when it was like, Oh shit, this is going to, it's going to start getting hot. I mean, it's always hot, but it, we were going to come into obviously the hottest part of the year. So to not accept excuses, like it's too hot out or I had a long day or even it's raining. I run, I train in the rain, lest it's like, I mean like really fucking pouring. I go out and run in the rain and it's so empowering to say, I don't take excuses and it makes me feel strong and it makes me feel like I can do anything. And especially like when I'm out and I'm really tired and I'm like, I could quit, but I'm not going to because that strength doesn't come from anywhere but, but yourself. And you feel, I, like, I feel like a fucking gangster. Like I did 11 miles on Saturday, which is far enough. My race is in three weeks. She did because I slept through the <laughs> And just to be reaching, like reaching those kind of distances, like it just, it makes me feel like I can do anything. Nothing is too hard. If I just decide that I want to do it, I can just do it. And like the proof is in the pudding because the first mile that I ran, <laughs> <laughs> I live at the top of a very small hill. The incline is not big, but it, it, there is one. And my husband was at the end of the driveway, and I'm hauling my fat ass up this hill, hauling slowly. And I'm like, running, it's so hard. And I did a mile, and it took me like 15 minutes. So to go from that to banging out 11 miles and I um, run five miles during the week before my long runs on Saturdays. Like, so just to see, like, if you put in the work, it, it will come. It just will. And there's no, there's no better feeling than that. And I've um, been out of town. I've taken trips. I brought my shoes. I've run on every single trip. I was out of town for work for a week. I ran there. I went to a wedding in Cleveland. I ran there. I went to a wedding in Connecticut. I ran there. I surprised my dad in Nashville for his birthday and I ran there. Like, there are no excuses. So a few questions. Um, number one, when you feel like you need to stop and walk, do you and for how much? And do you count that in your mileage? So there is, there is a lot of different training ideologies. One of them is run-walk. So there's, depending on your fitness level, a ratio like walk, run three minutes, walk one minute or whatever, depending on your fitness level for me and people that do that have a faster mile than I do. Um, but for me that it just, I never wanted to give myself the excuse to walk and granted it's built into your training. So you're not doing it cause you just like want to, it's pressing, quit chewing on yourself. Um, you know, you're doing it cause it's part of your training, but for me, it's always been, I would rather run because I was never really able to run a mile. So it was important to me to be able to bang out these miles. So I said from the beginning, I would rather run a slower mile and run the entire thing than do a run-walk combo. So to answer your question, um, I, I rarely walk. Um, like on Saturday, I walked a total of maybe a minute so it obviously took you a few hours to run 11 miles mm -hmm. what are your bodily functions like like <laughs> i just like 
for me, like, uh, like when I, when I run, I fart all the time. Like there's just farts that are let out. But like, if I have to take a shit or if I have to pee, like, I'm like, what do you do in that situation? Well, I'm sweating so much that I don't pee. Yeah. Like, I guess it's that's never, true. um, you know, I drank my pre-workout at home and then I got to the trail and I was like, oh, I kind of have to pee. So I peed there, but then I ran for two hours and never once had to go to the bathroom because I'm just sweating everything out. Um, I will tell you that finding a balanced nutrition, and it doesn't matter as much when you're first starting out and you're only running like a handful of miles at a time. Um, but when, like, so I average, last week I did 21 miles. Um, so when you've got that kind of mileage, your nutrition really starts to matter. So there definitely was a learning curve because I would eat a snack before I would go run. And then I learned as I was building up miles, I couldn't have that snack anymore because in thir- like mile number three, I was like, yeah. and then like burping. And so a lot of that is just adjusting your nutrition specifically around the times that you're going to run. Gotcha. So you don't end up getting the shits or something. I just feel like I would be that runner that would just like, piss and shit and vomit my way throughout the mileage I don't know I just feel like my body would just give out and it'd just be like every orifice would just be leaking it wouldn't though and that's like what you build up and your body takes a while to figure it out but then they're like oh we're doing this now we've done this before we got this covered you know the first few weeks you might you might leak shit out of your pores Uh, but then your body will be like oh we're doing this thing again okay okay um, what is your favorite thing to listen to when you run, um, that helps you? Cause for me, it's like when I'm working out, unless it's like a class where I am like focused on the instructor and kind of just like zoning out. If I'm working out by myself, I'm always like counting songs or I'm looking at minutes. What do you listen to slash do that helps you like pass the time and be enjoyable like how do you make it enjoyable um well one thing because when I first started I was looking at my watch constantly I run with the apple watch the map my run app and I was constantly looking to see how far I had gone and is it am I done yet and then I started to um I made a few agreements with myself when this whole thing started is that when one being when I set out to do whatever number of miles was that I was going to finish those miles no matter what. Um, And I wasn't going to accept, oh, this is not great or this is not a great run. At least I did two. No, if I set out to do four, I was going to do four. Even if I had to walk my ass half the way, I was finishing those miles. Second, um, I designated places. um, My short runs during the week, I just run around my neighborhood. I designated places that I would allow myself to look at my watch. So um, when I was only running like a couple miles, um, I lived by a lake. So when I got to the lake, I would look. um, And then as my runs got longer, I designated more spots. But then after a while, you don't need to look because like I know how how far it is to the lake. I don't have to look at my watch. I know how far it's been. but it was really interesting because the urges to look went, went away. Like I only ever looked just to check my pace. Um, as far as like what I listened to, I started with an iPod shuffle. Did you know anybody still had those? Um, but it's loaded with like all my music from like middle school and high school. So yeah. every song would come on. I'd be like, yeah, this song. Um, but even that got repetitive after a while because there's only like 200 songs on it. 
Um, so I started to try um, an audiobook, and I listened to the first audiobook, and I was like, I really like this. And so I went through two of them, and then I just, I'm finishing S-Town as the first podcast that I've done while running. Um, and so it's definitely from here on out either going to be audiobooks or podcast. Um, because one, it, if not listening to music and it's just someone talking, I can be more aware of my surroundings. I can hear cars when they're coming because my route doesn't have sidewalks for the entire thing. So it lets me be more aware and that's just safer. But second, there's something to be said for not having to have music blasting in your ear. And I guess before I started running, I wouldn't have understood it as well. Um, but just being in tune with your breathing and like hearing your footsteps on the pavement and like being able to get lost in the activity a little bit more. Are you going to listen to anything when you do the actual race? So at first I was like, in most races, I either ban them completely because you're not, you can't pay attention um, or just discourage them. Um, I'm running the Disney Wine and Dine Half Marathon. Disney just discourages them. And at first I was like, there's no fucking way I can't use music. But now that I've like weaned off of it, um, and I'm comfortable, like I'm comfortable with this, these number of miles that, you know, the distraction, there's like bands and DJs and stuff on the track. Um, so I thought I would have, I would get wireless and have one earbud in with music, but I feel like 99% sure I'm not going to listen to anything. I think that's fair. I think too, like for me, God, I can't even imagine running a half marathon. Like I just, <laughs> everybody in my body is like, you could never do it. But then I think like, if you're doing it, your adrenaline's probably higher than it normally is. You kind of want to soak it all in. So it might just actually feel nice to just look around and like smell a little flowers. Bit. And again, when I first started, I was like, there's absolutely no way that I can't listen to music or can't not listen to music, I should say. Um, but now I'm very comfortable with the idea of not. And actually signed up, signed up for my second half marathon in Nashville in April. Um, and they have all these like local bands all through the race. It's like one of the best things about it. So that obviously I won't have earbuds in because I want to hear these bands. It's right. Like half, exactly. half the point of doing it. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So let's segue a little bit into your past with Disney and like the significance of uh, obviously you still don't work for the company, um, but it's, you know, I guess kind of how you met your husband, even though you knew him before you guys did the college program, but like the significance of Disney in your life and kind of, um, like for me, like, I guess my biggest question, and even though like I come and visit, you know, usually once every other year, once a year, there's still always like an excitement and magic to it, but somebody who's around it all the time and also somebody who knows the background of a lot of the operations, explain to me like how you came to like love Disney and fell in love with it, but also how it's still like a, like a love and a magic after all these years. Um, so I grew up, I mean, we came to Disney with my my parents and my brother and I when I was five because my parents loved Disney. My dad drove down like college spring break. He road trip with his friend um, from Ohio and they came and he did Disney in college and then 
him and my mom came, I think, like, before I was born. I actually think they left my brother at home, which is pretty funny. Um, and then we took our first family trip when I was five. And then we came again when I was, like, in fourth grade, fifth grade, seventh grade. There were, like, years and years. So it's always been a special place because um, it's something that meant something to all of us. My brother and I are not, like, super close. Um, and he's a difficult person to have a relationship with. But, and the one thing, and he doesn't like things outwardly very often, but he always loved coming to Disney. So it was a place that the four of us were all happy to be, and we could be there together. And so it was just so chock full of, of great memories. Um, I also, and a large part of why I still am so invested is because I am a huge nerd for the history. I love Walt's story. I love everything, like the innovation. And he was somebody that if, truly, if you can dream it, you can do it. Because theme parks, and people don't realize this because they're common now, but they weren't a thing before Walt made them. Um, so to just take an idea of this thing that doesn't exist and be like, I'm going to find a way to, to make this exist. Like, that is just wild to me. Um... Plus, Disney does so much for the community, and I think a lot of people really try to vilify it because it's a big corporation, but they do so much conservation in Central Florida. They give out tons of money every year in scholarships. Um, they, they do so much, and you know it's nice to be proud of the company that you work for. Um, also, like we got engaged at Epcot, and we actually had our wedding inside one of the parks after it was closed at night. I was there. She was. <laughs> um, and it was gangster. So it's sort of like everywhere I look is just like another can look over in that corner and be like, oh, I remember when I ate there and we had this thing and we, it was so funny and we laughed. Or I remember this time, actually one of my favorite memories with my brother, we were at Magic Kingdom really late. My parents and we brought my cousin, they bitched out and they went back to the hotel and my brother and I were like, no, no, uh, we're, we're riding this out. I think Magic Kingdom was open to like 2 a.m. or something. It was a really late night. Um, and we did, there was, Minnie and Mickey were out and the line wasn't very long and we were like, all right, let's say hi. And then it was this whole huge interaction and Jeffrey tried to trade me for me and then Mickey ran away with me and it was this whole scene and it was hysterical. And the pictures of us, we're, we're adults. I was 20, that made my brother 24. So we were adults. But the pictures, like we, our smiles are so genuine and we're in like laughing and where else, where else is that ever gonna happen? Right. I think one of the things that Disney does so well is it's like, you know, there's other theme parks where you go to and, like, the line is, like, so utilitarian and then you get on the ride and the attraction is fun. But Disney, the whole experience is crazy. Right. And that's a big part of, like, so we talk about what it means to us now. So when we go to parks, we rarely even ride anything. Pretty much we just go walk around and maybe we'll get a, get on something if, like, the line's not very long. But for us, it's all about, and the details... And this is lost on most people because they're taking in the big, big picture. But I think something that they do so well is that you can keep... I mean, I've been arguably thousands of times, um, but I'm still finding new things. And I'm still noticing new details. So it's different things to different people, but it can always be something, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I totally think that. Okay, a few questions. Favorite ride at Magic Kingdom? Splash Mountain. Favorite... Disney princess. 
Aurora. Favorite Disney traditional treat? Mickey bar. Love that shit. Um, favorite Epcot country or area? Ooh, that's a real hard one. That is really hard. Um, I think Germany, actually. I love their restaurant A, but I just love the look of it. The place is so damn cute. And when they dress it up for Christmas, I've um, heard people say that have been to German Christmas markets that like, this is what this shit really looks like. That's cool. Um, also, I don't know. For me, I, I think Snow White was like my first princess love. Um, she's not my favorite princess. I don't even know who my favorite princess is. I, I'm like, I'm between a few, but that whole, it, it's very romantic. Germany's very romantic, yes. which you don't usually think of. You think like France or like Italy, but no, it's like Germany's very, it's romantic. I don't know. It's very cute and just, I don't know. And I, I feel like also too, when I, whenever I'm there, I feel like Snow White is always around. She is there frequently. Yeah. And so that I think is really cool for me. Um, what was my next question? Oh, favorite villain? Maleficent. Sleeping Beauty is like my number two favorite yeah. movie. So, but truly, I mean, she wanted to kill a 16 year old girl just out of spite. Like that shit is evil. It is. And that makes evil. her a good villain. Um, we're going to get into like horror and our love of horror movies and true crime and stuff in a little bit. But while we're on this, uh, so let's talk about some of the live action Disney stuff. Mm, I have feelings about that. I know you do. Um, what were your feelings on Maleficent? Because they were, I don't really know anybody who saw it and was like, it was all right. Like you either loved it or you hated it. Find me one person that loved it. I think I know a fair amount of gay people who loved it just because they wanted to love it. So well, bad. right. And so did they love it because they're like, oh, you know, Maleficent is, so fabulous. Yeah, basically. But did they love the movie? No. 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 So, you know, and you know, I hate Angelina Jolie. She's like, my, oh, I know. Like, I, would I just, feel like you only hate Anne Hathaway more than you hate Angelina Jolie. I, no, I hate, I hate Angelina Jolie way more. Really? Yeah, I would, I bury, I would bury her alive if I had the choice. <laughs> Wait, what about when I Paltrow and Goop? I do hate that bitch too, but it's still Angelina. <laughs> it's like the of people that are Yeah, right. <laughs> Give me a firing squad. Um, but I, part of the reason that I hate her is because she's terrifying and she actually looks like a villain. Um, so I don't necessarily disagree with that casting because I'm oh, the casting is excellent. Reasonably certain that she still has vials of blood that she wears around her neck. So from that standpoint, I'm not mad. However, Angelina Jolie doesn't make good movies. And everyone's like, when I'm a girl interrupting, okay, that was one movie like 20 years ago. Find me another good Angelina Jolie movie. Or they're like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, okay, you've now named two. She's not a good actress. No, she doesn't make I good mean, movies. Listen, like the best thing she probably ever did was her softcore porn, Gia, like, which was like a loosely based softcore porn on a porn star named Gia. Right? And no one even like knows what that... So I'm like, this bitch does not make good movies. No. So I, 
while yes, she does look terrifying, she doesn't make good movies. And so automatically I was like, well, good movies are not her jam, so this is gonna blow. Aside from that, the live action remakes aren't good just inherently. So there was no hope for this movie ever. I will say I... With the exception of maybe Beauty and the Beast. So I like, was going to say, so that was my next segue because I just recently saw it because I had been holding out for so long. And the biggest critique, obviously, that everybody had is, oh, well, Emma, Emma is not a singer. And I watched it and I was like, well, she wasn't my top choice for a singer. I thought she did a perfectly good job of acting and being that That role. was great, Kat. I, I agree with you. And there were, like, I feel like they were pretty upfront about her not being the voice of her generation. Correct. So I can appreciate that no one was, like, trying to act like she was an incredible singer. Right. But, okay, so that's, like, one movie, Every Blind Dog Finds a Bone. None of the other ones are good. And they keep making them. Spend I, your money somewhere else. I didn't see Cinderella. I um, haven't, I'll be honest with you, I've only seen maybe one, because I just don't, I, mean, I, I don't need them reimagined. I don't need right. anything to be well, live action. Okay, That's so not I an saw, itch that I need to have scratched. Alice in Wonderland, I enjoyed, but I also enjoyed Alice in Wonderland more because it was really based on the Alice's adventures in Wonderland and through, more the on the Ga- through the Looking Glass and also kind of reimagined those actual stories and didn't try to be whatever. But, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like... And in that instance, right, they were... I don't look at it. They weren't necessarily doing, or I don't view it as a live-action remake. They were making a live-action telling of that book. Those are two right. different things. They exactly. just happen to also be an animated version that existed. But right. I didn't feel like they were taking that movie and turning it to live action. I feel like the biggest faux pas that they could ever do is like try to make Snow White and then like the casting of the dwarfs and how they would do it would need to be so delicate because they pro- like, honestly they would probably CGI them well right but then I'm like okay so if you CGI them then it's completely taking away half of the magic of it but then if yes. you find like actual little people to do it then it's going to be a whole thing so I'm just like just don't do it just like Peter Dinklage I have to play all of them <laughs> which I actually <laughs> I actually would not be mad about that <laughs> it literally would get behind Peter if you're listening start making calls um <laughs> Peter Dinklage, what a fucking nuanced actor. What a fucking crazy, amazing actor. And like, this is coming from somebody who has read every single one of George R. R. Martin's goddamn fucking Game of Thrones books because he hasn't come out with the last two yet because he is probably about to die. But Tyrion Lannister is a fucking tough character to get. Mm -hmm. It is very hard. That book makes him such a layered and complicated character and they really did get him right Sansa they did not get right well actually he didn't really get right in the book so actually I think the series does her better justice but fuck he's a good actor um so speaking of acting let's go into it is Halloween time it is uh it is October the seasons are changing mostly not everywhere I was gonna say not everywhere no not in Florida um but we are getting into the time of spookiness and horror, and 
I have loved horror movies my entire life. I mostly think because they terrified the shit out of me and I was like, I'm going to force myself to watch these because I need to get over this fear. Um, I'm going to say this up front. My favorite uh, franchise is definitely Friday the 13th. Ashley just cannot get into that, but that's okay. I can't. I can't can't jive with that. Which, and I asked you this the other day. Why is it your favorite? And you said because you like studied it first in your slasher films class. Yeah. Okay, but was it your favorite before that? And I can appreciate that maybe it might make you like feel nostalgic for it, but you like you think it's the best out of all of them. Okay. So all right. So basically, you've got the big three. You've got Freddy, Michael, and Jason. So I never really got into Freddy because I just couldn't get past the idea that he is like a figment of your imagination like he's like a dream character that's what makes it scary for me well see that's like for me i was like he's not i mean i guess he is like tangible but he really isn't like a tangible character to me then you have michael myers and i think for me i don't know why michael was such I don't know why I couldn't get into Michael so much. I, I, I really do actually like the Halloween series. I think, too, also, when we were growing up, we had, um, you know, all of, like, the H2Os and things like that, which I guess had Jamie Lee Curtis and things and, like, explain this, like, intricate background story. And I don't know. I just never got into it. I don't... For some reason, Friday the 13th has always remained my favorite. And I think because... The more and more you get into the series of Friday the 13th, the crazier it gets. See, that's By the time Jason me, goes to space, it's wild. See, that's what makes me not like it. Like, when they start getting ridiculous, any franchise, the more ridiculous it gets, the further away I am driven. Well, see, I feel the opposite. Like, with Scream, by the time I hit Scream 3, I was like, this is outrageous. And then when Scream 4 came out, and it, like, kind of came full circle, but it was so terrible with, like, fucking Emma Roberts, I was like, I'm so here for this. Well, okay, but I'm a hard movie critic, and, you know, I can appreciate a movie for, like, it being quirky, and you're like, oh, I love this because it's so bad. I can appreciate that, but I can't say that I like the movie just for those reasons. Like, I can sit down and laugh at how bad Scream 4 is, but it doesn't mean that I like the movie, or that I, like, respect what they have done with the series. So, with that being said, who is your favorite franchise? Freddy. Okay. Far and away. Um, for those of you who don't know, a lot of my gay listeners, number two is a gay fantasy. Go ahead and watch it. They didn't even know it was supposed to be a gay fantasy, and they made a gay fantasy. Yeah, that's my favorite part, is that they didn't even know what they were doing when they were doing it, and then they watched it, and they were like, oh, this is gay as hell. Yeah, like, there's literally a part where, like, there's, like, blood gushing out of the bed, and it's supposed to basically be, like, a guy coming on another guy. It's crazy. Um... We studied that in my slasher films class as well. Um, okay, favorite. Now this is like not franchise. Talk to me about some of your favorite horror movies. Or actually, okay, what movie scared the shit out of you? Um, in my most recent memory, The Babadook. Scared the ever-loving shit out of me. I was watching in our old apartment, and I, when I watch a horror movie, or, like, anything that's supposed to be, like, spooky or scary, or that demands some kind of ambiance, 
and this is me being like a movie snob, I need to watch it the way that the filmmaker would have wanted me to watch it. So I only watch it like when Ryan's working late. What a dumb bitch. When Ryan's working late with the lights out um, and when it's dark out. If there's even like a hint of sunlight, I'm like, it's not time yet. So that said, and there's only been a couple times that I've ever watched anything that I got so scared I turned lights on and the Babadook was one of them. I was like, fuck this. I turned all the lights on and cradled my giant dog because I was so scared and I will not watch that shit again. I think if I would have watched it in similar circumstances as you, I would have been scared, but I watched it. So Jen and I- I was going to say with Jen. I did, yeah. (laughs) I watched it with Jen and we would do these things of like when we were both, cause like I used to get out of work super early because I had to work so early. And like if Jen and I had the same day off, like I'd just be like, hey, come over and like, let's just watch horror movies. So we would like literally be watching it in my living room and we put like a sheet over my balcony door to like try to like block up the sun, but obviously like it wouldn't exactly work. And I think that's when we watched the Babadook. And you know, Jen, she's like, so I was like, you know, it was kind of funny to me yeah, I mean, you can make anything ridiculous when you're, like, hanging out with a girlfriend and, like, it's in the middle of the day. Like, you could make, you know what? The scariest movie right. ever, you could make ridiculous exactly. very easily. The and movie like, growing up that scared the shit out of me to this day, and I will never, ever apologize for saying it, The Ring scared the shit out The Ring of scared the shit out of everybody. I was so fucking afraid of The Ring for, like, from, like, age, like, 15 to 18. Yeah, The Ring was scary. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Okay, good. Um, also the night that I saw the ring, I went with my brother and his, um, his friend in high school and we drove back and there was a gigantic tree that's like next to my childhood home. And it was just like, uh, changing colors, like just like the tree in the movie. So it was like red. We go inside. My family has a circular mirror in our dining room. I got a bloody nose. There was a fly around the fucking house the whole night and we go downstairs in my brother's room because my brother had like a refurbished room down in the basement and we turned the tv on and he had had it set to like his playstation and so it was fuzzy <laughs> and i was literally like i'm gonna I, die right the next thing i, I have know, seven I'm days hair out of my throat no i wasn't but like um i will say the scariest movie i probably saw recently i will say it follows scared the shit out of me just because it was so fucking weird. Have you seen it follows? I haven't seen it. I know what movie you're talking about. I so know what the premise is. It's it's weird because it's not like scary per se. It, it, it's just it's really weird and it makes you feel really weird. Yeah. Um and like a lot of things happen in like plain daylight in the movie and you're like, this is weird. Like this is just so, it was like, I'm even like cr- like cringing, like thinking about it. It's just very strange. Um, but I will say I really like that. And then it's funny cause like every single movie that like I ever, I, I think I also am into very like voyeuristic things. Mm-hmm. I love, um, I love the movie Hush. Hush was so Hush good. Was so good. Hush was great. I love um, 13 Cameras. I love Creep. I haven't watched the second Creep, but I loved the first Creep. Like, I love, like, very strange, like, voyeuristic 
kind of things. I also, I think probably one of my independent slasher films that's like my favorite of all time is this French film called High Tension. Um, and it's all in subtitles, but it's so, 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 so fucking good. I mean, I think it, like Hot Tension is how it's technically mm-hmm. spelled. Um, you could probably find it somewhere for really cheap, like on Amazon or whatever, but it's so, so, so good. And it's like a huge twist and it's kind of gory, but it's really scary and it's, it's, it's a good time. Besides scary movies, favorite part about this time of year? Well, for me, like, I, I mean, this is so basic, but I'm like, I love the holidays. And so I'm like, yes, it's happening. Like it's here. And this is like, we're kicking it off. Yeah, the ball is um, rolling right now. Yeah, so I just like that. It just is like a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, but down here, we don't, because there's not much of a fall. I mean, really, we don't get traditional fall weather until, like, February. <laughs> um, so fall in Florida is just comfortable temperatures, which is great. But because of that, like, we don't, there's, like, like people go to, like, you know, apple picking and cider and that's just not really a thing here and like I can't get pumpkin roll to save my fucking life so it just is a little bit different here um but so every year Magic Kingdom has special parties um for Christmas and Halloween like it's a separate ticketed event and for the Halloween the Halloween party is my favorite um so you go it's after the park closes it's like seven to midnight and there's a special Halloween parade, special fireworks, and then you trick-or-treat your ass off all around Magic Kingdom. And that candy's fucking good. And so I, like, make it my mission to just... I mean, we just, like, walk out with bags. I'll just go around and around. It's, like, outrageous. that's what you did when you go. Oh, yeah. And, like, their parade is my favorite. I'm not a huge parade person, but that Halloween parade is fucking great. So I look forward to that. We're going... My parents are down a couple weeks, um... And we're going, and I just, I can't wait. So I look forward to um, Halloween in the theme parks, for sure. Speaking of, um, so Ashley and I actually, not at Disney, but we did a themed night at Universal. So we did Halloween Horror Nights. Um, I, like, just was living my fucking fantasy. Like, I was, like, laughing and spooked and whatever. So Ashley said she enjoyed herself, but she would not go back again. So explain that to our listeners a little bit, because, like, I, like, just totally, like, just lived the fantasy of it. So, okay. First of all, it's not a cheap ticket. It's not. It paid almost $100. Granted, there are a lot of houses. So it's... I'm not mad about the price, but... I went to Bush Gardens, granted, it's like nine years ago, but they scared the shit out of me, and the scares never stopped. When I was walking around the park, there were like people in ghillie suits hiding in the bushes and would jump out and scare you. They had people dressed up like fake tourists, like fake tourists, and then like I'll never forget there was a lady pushing a, a stroller or like a carriage, which at first you're like, oh, it's like a carriage, but then you're like, oh, but that doesn't make any sense because... It's, again, a separate ticketed event. And then I don't know what it was, but they would... If it was, like, a pedal that she stepped on, but then, like, a monster came flying out of the carriage. I mean, the scares never stopped. So that was what I was hoping for. But at no point was I ever scared. 
I got a few decent surprises, but I didn't feel like their goal was to scare the shit out of me. Yeah. And I, like I have a problem with that because that was my goal. Well, <laughs> to get my so shit scared. I will say this, like I jumped and like had fun in like all of the houses. We did six out of the 10 houses. Yeah, we did well. Um, I mean, I would say the biggest problem for me with the houses was, and I get why they did this, was A, you had to just go and go and go and go. There were no breaks between, like, normal Hana houses. You, they say like, you threw in groups. Right. You're in groups, and there's a break between, you know, you and the next, the people yes. before and after you. Um, but there, it was a continuous stream of people. But then also, they had to have people from the park there, which right. made me feel better because it made me feel like I wasn't going to die in the middle of the fucking haunted house, but... It, it definitely took you out of the moment. Right, because they clearly, like... They were there, like, I'm at work, yeah, yeah, they had name tags on, like, one of them was on their phone, like, what? And they're just, like, bored as shit. Yeah. I will say, like, what was fun for me, also, I was very sufficiently drunk for this, um... But, like, I think, like, the killer clowns land, which is funny because I'm not really, in theory, that scared of clowns. Like, seeing clowns, like, in movies doesn't really scare me. But for some reason, like, the clowns chasing after me in real life was, like, hilariously funny to me. Um, like there was this one clown that chased me into into a store, into and then, a store, and then waited for and you. Then waited for me <laughs> at another door that I came out of, and it was kind of like fun and hilarious. And like, I think for me, it was like I wasn't scared, scared, but I was like delightfully enticed. Well, and also you didn't have like I've been wanting to go to Horror Nights for ten years, right? And so I've had years and years of buildup, and I'm like, it's finally happening, and like it's an institution here, and people just go nuts over it. So to you, you were just like, oh yeah, we're going to Horror Nights, but for me, I was like, it's finally happening. Right. Like this was a, just like a delightful cherry on top of a, a vacation that I already knew was going to be good. So like I didn't really have high expectations. I was like, yeah, this sounds great. Yeah, mine um, were sky high. Yeah. Um, I did very much enjoy my drinks. All of the food was way too expensive, which, you know, whatever. But I actually think the drink portions for the price was not bad. Agreed. The food was fucking terrible for the price that it was. Which I think, I mean, listen, I got pretty wavy. Then we got Taco Bell on the way home. Um, But I, I, it's just really interesting because... I think it's a really delicate balance for any kind of like really, really big scare thing like that. Because for me, I did feel better that those, like the employees were in the haunted house. I understand why they had to correct it, but it still bummed me out. Right. Now, okay, next question. Uh, The house that October built for you guys who haven't seen it, it's basically a... I wouldn't say mockumentary, but it's like a fake documentary of these people that are going... Found footage. Yeah, found footage of people who are going around the country um, doing different quote-unquote scares, usually like in the middle of nowhere. Um, The first one's great. Second one's terrible. So just do yourself a favor. Don't watch the second one. Um, Yeah, like so much so it'll ruin the first one for you. So don't like, oh, you're curious. Don't be curious. It'll ruin the first movie. So if you had a chance would you go to 
one of those crazy extreme haunts. haunts. Extreme haunts. So uh, there's this one in California that I have been obsessed with. Wait, blackout? McKamey Manor. Uh, that I've been obsessed with since I learned about it like seven or eight years ago. And I like being scared. I like the adrenaline rush that it gives me. That's what I think is fun. Um, but this place is so extreme, I don't think that I could do it. First of all, you have to go through in groups, I think, of only two or three. Um, but they're tying you up. They're making you eat shit. They're spitting on you. There's sometimes I've seen videos of people, they're making like making them do push-ups and shit. It is extreme. And it's like two and a half hours and there's no safe word there's no, there's no exit once you're in you're in and you're not getting out until you're done so there is no turning around i've um they put like people's heads in cages and shit How i mean that it illegal? is that's you have to question. sign all kinds of know, waivers but even so and oh. it books up you have to like get on a waiting list and they only do I think they only do it like once a month or some shit. But the craziest part is that it is free. The only thing that they ask for is a donation of dog food because these people's actual jobs that like run an animal shelter. So all you have to do is like donate some pet food. That's why. But if you go on YouTube, um, there's of course like trailers and stuff for the and like I, I, the whole idea is so fascinating to me. But. I don't think I could do it. And also, like, where is the line between someone is doing this to scare or, like, the actors themselves? Like, these people are very, like, they're very terrified. They're in tears. And so I have a little bit of pause about the kind of people that are in the show because what kind of person do you have to be? Right. Like, are they sadists or are they just, like, actors who are trying to do a good job? Right, at what point, where is that line between like, oh yeah, it's fun to jump out and scare someone, boo. But like, people are in like tears and hyperventilating and they're jamming rotten food in their mouth. Like, and I'm like, that that's fucked. So like, my, my old roommate, one of my old roommates did Blackout. I think it's called Blackout. And it, it's it like originated in San Francisco. And I guess it, it, it's only come to New York a few times. And he said he did it and he said it was the most terrifying thing he's ever done and he was like somebody stuck like a tampon in my mouth and like I don't think it was obviously an actual used <laughs> tampon I mean, still. I would really hope not but he was like yeah the whole time I like had it in my mouth he was like it was the scariest thing like he was like there were rules and he was like he took a picture of like the, the rule book that they had and he was like I had to sign waivers and do whatever and if, if you know anything about this guy and he's such a nice guy he is like a he's like a Disney person. He like is like love he loves the magic. He's like a he's like a school teacher and like an assistant principal. And the fact that he would do this like shocked me. And he said it was terrifying. He was like it was so I, I, I just I, I can't imagine it. Like I just I don't I don't know if I could do it. I like kinda like wanna do it, but then I'm like I do like the idea that nobody can touch me. Yeah, I don't know that I could do the touching. And, like, in this place, because they will, in, uh, for the trailer, they like, interviews the people right after they got out. I mean, in there, like, wrists are taped. They've got tape, or they, like, were um, taping people's, like, eyes shut. So people got tape all in their hair, and they're typically, like, devoid of color. And they're like, that was the scariest shit that's ever happened to me in my whole life. I'm like, I don't... It's, 
yeah, I just, the touching and like the eating and like spitting and I don't, I think I draw the line at touching. Yeah. I think what's, I don't want to say what's interesting, but I feel like watching it or, or watching a movie like that is, is one type of like masochistic like indulging in like your the masochistic side of yourself or or like imagining yourself in there but then actually like being such a masochist that you would you do, do it that yeah is just a line that I don't know if I could cross I don't either and especially the amount of time like if if it was 30 minutes that's one thing but like McKamey Manor takes people 2 hours to get through I mean, you. I would have PTSD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so along that vein, I recently watched this, like, BuzzFeed thing that's on um, Netflix, and it's, like, every episode they go in, they, they research some new weird trend that's happening. So ASMR was the theme of this first episode. And, you know, obviously, like, So, like, you know, it's, like, people that, like, I don't want to say get off because it's, it's more than just that. It's people being relaxed or or pe- people feeling some kind of, like, euphoria or good feelings by people whispering or, or clicking things. And, like, I like when people, like, there's, like, this weird Instagram called Packs of Slime where people just, like, mix up, like, slime and things. And, like, I love watching cake videos get made. It's super satisfying, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I understand that kind of, like, ideology of like oh this like feels good and it's kind of weird and but there's a place in Brooklyn where you can go and people will like brush like a like a blush brush on your on your hands and people will like whisper in your ear would you ever do that no no I'm creeped out even yet number one Oh my god, you have way too much money if you pay somebody to run a brush over your hand and whisper in your goddamn ear. Um, it's such a New York. It's well, no, I shouldn't say New York. It's such a Brooklyn thing to do. Um, but no, no, that's I'm so creeped out by that. Now, are you creeped out? Because for me, I think I'm creeped out by the people doing it. Because like I'm thinking if some guys like rubbing a brush on me or like doing something I'm thinking like this guy's getting a boner I was gonna say for sure got a boner yeah but I don't necessarily know that like I I don't think I would do it but I like understand like I I can appreciate ASMR but I also feel like I would just be creeped out by, by the people doing it yeah I guess maybe if you could specify like I only want women that would because then I wouldn't be worried about I mean right Theoretically, I mean, the same I thing of like when I go to those little dingy fucking places in the Lower East Side that give me a $40 massage for an hour and the ladies putting their fingernails in my butt crack doesn't feel as weird as like if there were a guy putting fingernails in my butt crack. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But Listen, yeah. I'm telling you like the fucking massages that I've had sometimes I'm like you gotta learn your boundaries. Yeah, why are they putting their fingernails in your butt Literally crack? fingernails in my butt crack. And I'm like, that that's wild. Why do they want to put their fingernails in their butt crack? I don't know. That's but like, bizarre. Yeah, it's 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 very weird. And then sometimes I'm like, did I go to one of those places that's like 
accidentally a happy ending place. Like a, <laughs> like a they didn't mean to make you come, but like, oops. Right? <laughs> um, listen, but if I want a cheap fucking massage, just put your finger in my butt crack. I don't care. I mean, not really, but yeah, I think it's like a very weird, delicate balance between like fantasy and reality in some of these instances. Like, I just feel like I also feel like if I were really in a terrified state I'd probably piss myself and that would be good for nobody that's that's true I just think it's strange like the things that uh, people's desires that they choose to indulge like of all of the things that you're like I'm gonna go do this because I really like it like you like people whispering in your ear so much that you're gonna go to Brooklyn and have someone whisper in your ear like there's a lot of things that I like, but I'm, I, it's, it's in the back of the line. Like there are right. better things in front of it that I like that I would choose to spend my time and money and resources okay. on. So along that vein, let's talk about like extreme fandom. So recently, both in the last few weeks, I was at RuPaul's Drag Con in New York and I'm actually wearing a shirt that I bought there with a bunch of drag queens on it. Um, I'm a fan. Like, I like RuPaul. I like drag queens. Um, I have been in New York for, like, six and a half years, and I've watched a bunch of drag queens. I watched Bob, Monet, and now Keisha Carr, who I'm hoping is going to be on RuPaul in the future. But, like, I am a drag queen fan, right? Now, so I went to DragCon, and for the most part, it was a great, very, like, fun experience. But... One of the things, and this is not even just with RuPaul, this is with Disney, this is with, like, Halloween Horror Nights, is, like, the extreme fans. When you're like, this is too much, you're way too much. Right. Like, I was in line for Katya, and Katya easily had the longest line at DriveCon, but there was this, like, high schooler behind us who was just, like... I'm going to throw up when I meet her. And, like, oh, my God, I don't even know what I'm going to say. And, like... It's just so, like, frustrating for me because, like, I think about, you know, if I ever do reach any level of fame or notoriety, like, I'm just going to want to have people treat me like a normal person. Right, because, like, you are. And I feel like this weird fandom is a lot of times why celebrities get, like, oh, well, she was so mean to me. Right, because well, you're a fucking weirdo. Yeah, like, be fucking cool, man. Right. Just be fucking cool. <laughs> Jesus. It's like... You know, it's just so fucking weird. Like, when, like, anytime that I've met celebrities, like, there have been a few that have come into my place of work, and it's like, just be fucking chill, and everybody's fine. Right. So, that's another thing, too, about, like, I mean, Halloween Horror Nights is, like, you could tell there were just people who were just so fucking geeked out They, about like, it. live and breathe by how many... So, um, we were at friends of mine's house yesterday to watch football, and my girlfriend Bethany used to be a performer, and there was, um, they just closed a show at Halloween Horror Nights last year called Bill and Ted's, I don't remember what the fuck it was called, but it was about Bill and Ted. And the show was an institution, like, since Halloween Horror Nights started 28 years ago, and everyone, like, fucking freaked out last year that they were closing it. So Bethany danced in Bill and Ted's in 2008, and she was telling me, um, last week that one time she was in Walmart... And these kids are like whispering, or like teenagers or whatever. And I'm like, that's right. 
And like one of them comes up and he was like, are you the redhead in Bill and Ted's? And she was like, yeah. And then one was like, I told you that was her. I told you that was her. And they like geeked out over her. And I thought that was like the strangest fucking thing. And she said people would go and just do nothing but watch Bill and Ted's. Not go in any houses, just watch every single performance of Bill and Ted's, speak along with all the lines, knew the... Why? It's, it's just so weird. So, so one of my... All right, so when I worked at Flywheel, there was an instructor there, um, and he was... A lot of the instructors at Flywheel were formerly Broadway stars or are still on Broadway, and one of them was in Jersey Boys for forever. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to the desk and he has a shirt of this instructor like it's got like it's it's the guy and the instructor on his shirt like screen printed on the shirt and takes his class so I'm like oh my god this must be his like uncle or his like like a relative no it was just a fucking dude who loved Jersey Boy and he was so freaked out by just like he was so freaked out about he was like Shannon this guy has like come to see me like a million times and like, at what point, it's almost like, it's almost like, are you a really a fan of this person or are you just a fan of this person because you want something to hold on to that makes you feel not alone, right? It has to be feeling some sort of void. Right. It's like, it's like the people, it's like the, the teenage boys who love My Little Pony. Do you really right. love My Little Pony or do you just like the environment that the bronies give you? Right. Exactly. Which is so fascinating. I think that, like, part of, like, the psychological realm is so, like, fandom and things like that. I actually was on, like, the most terrible date years ago. Um, it was a Starbucks date, which is really weird. I never saw the guy. Actually, I did see the guy again when I was out. And I was like, oh, I went on a really bad date with him. But luckily, the date was really bad. And then this really fucking weird guy came up to us and was like... Hey guys, like I moved here um, because Taylor Swift just moved here. It was like right when Taylor Swift's like Welcome to New York came out and like that that um, that whole album. And he was like, I started this fan club, and he was like, Can I collect your emails for this like Taylor Swift listserv? And obviously, I gave him a fake email. Um, and he was like, I moved here for her, and I'm gonna convince her that we should get married. And, like, this guy, like, at first, like, I was, like, oh, okay, this is New York. Like, people, like, somebody's, like, punking me or this is some kind of, like, weird prank, right? Like, Ashton, where are you? No, this kid was completely serious. And then by the end of it, I felt really bad for him. But, like, also, I was, like, tramping my safety. So, I was, like, I'm not going to, like, recommend that he go to therapy. But what do you gain out of that or like also what's the mentality about people who comment on shit on youtube yeah i can never understand why anyone takes the time out of their day i just don't get it although i'll say like i live a very like i'm super present i don't yeah i don't comment on things like i like things but i could never think about getting to that level of like fandom about anything or anyone because I'm very present in my current life so I think that a lot of those people are just not super present or don't want to be present or whatever the case may be but I think like this is the question I have too is like 
and they've done some SNL sketches about this, but like, what kind of person do you have to be where you're like, go kill yourself, you fat bitch, to somebody on Instagram or like well, Facebook? I, like, I don't understand what the point of that is. Or I, like people that comment on celebrities' pages thinking that they're gonna see it. Right? Yeah, when they talk to them like they would talk to a friend. Right. I think that's fucking weird. Being like, oh my god, you're so funny. Yeah, right? Or like, LOL. Great. Why did you write that? Yeah, why? For who? For what? Right. But again, I just would never comment on anything. Like, I just would never comment because I'm busy living my own life. And I also, like, I'm fans of things and I get into things, but like, not in the respect that like, I want to touch them or like, be around. Like, I just, I appreciate what they do or I appreciate their art or, like, even if I met some of my biggest idols, like, if I ever met Paul McCartney, if I ever met Lady Gaga, I feel like I would just want to be, like, I really respect what you do. And, and like, that's it. Or, right. like, try to just have a conversation about something normal with them. Right. But I think that's totally fascinating. I will say, wrapping up that topic of, yes. like, people being fucking weird when they meet celebrities and stuff and what it does to that celebrity... So, um, Ryan obviously meets a lot, um, at work and when Britney Spears came through, he was like, uh, cause she was with Jamie Lynn and he was like, Jamie Lynn was super nice. She like walked with me and like, we talked, he was like, Britney like barely would even look anyone in the eye. And I'm like, well, yes, because what kind of crazy fucking people do you think she's been putting up with for the last... 20 years of her life, of course she didn't care about who you are and didn't want to talk to you. Yes, like, leave imagine, Britney alone. Literally leave Britney alone. So when he was like, and he was a little miffed about it, and I was like, you can't even imagine what kind of wacky people that this person has come across. So no, I'm quite sure that she did not care to learn your name because she's just trying to survive. That scares <laughs> me. That kind of fame scares me and like Britney's fame scares me because it's been since birth basically basically yeah like it's been before her brain developed yes and she had no one on her side she had right. no one taking care of her correct I think that kind of fame scares me like people who like at least had a childhood don't scare me as much but like Drew Barrymore like oh yeah I don't know how the fuck she made it out alive yeah right no kidding that it's just wild to me, or it makes sense. Like, uh, who's that actor or actress who plays Matilda or played Matilda? Tamara Wilson. Yeah, and she was like, I got older, and I was like, I don't want this, and like to be able to like step away from that. I think is cool, but also like probably smart. Yeah, um, I just think that that's fascinating. It's like you have no like Britney Spears has no idea what normalcy looks like. No. No concept whatsoever. Although she does shop at Target. I appreciate that. Like it's like her favorite store. I just wonder what it's like for somebody to like never tell you no. Or like also for somebody to give you an answer and you not knowing if that they're being correct or not. Yeah. The idea of like the yes man is so scary because I it self-destructs so many people. Absolutely. When everyone are like Charlie Sheen. If he hadn't been surrounded by yes men or yes people, 
who knows? Like, maybe he could have been, like, a normal fucking person. I wonder what happened to Charlie Sheen's angels. Oh, yeah. I forgot that that was a thing. Yeah. I felt really, like, when he, like, went on the Tiger Blood tour, I was like, can everyone, like, not contribute to this man's right. emotional, mental breakdown? It, it, and that's... Uh, all right. So let's talk about... I know you hate this, but let's talk about Kanye. People, I mean... There really isn't too much to say about it, to be very honest. But it's 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 like a worse version of watching Charlie Sheen. Kind of. Because I don't even. It's not even drug fueled. No, it's not even drug fueled, and it's also he has an ear into the president of the United States, which is terrifying and ironically hilarious like it's just like a weird like it's surreal I feel like this whole situation is so surreal like I'm living in Donnie Darko's alternate universe right now or like we're living like VH1's The Surreal Life we are living in The Surreal Life right we yeah we're like in some kind of alternative universe which is ironically enough what like Connie talked to the president (laughs) but I feel like it's I don't understand why nobody from Kanye's camp has been like, let's go to therapy. But you don't know that they haven't. Right. They might. I mean, I honestly think, I mean, I mean, he did do. He did go to. A stint. He did a stint. Wherever. Treatment or whatever. But he's, he took a, he took a plane direct. He took a private plane direct to crazy town. And it's, it's sad. Yeah. It's, like, really sad. And then the scary thing are the people that are, like, not ironically rooting for him. Absolutely. And, like, when he rolled into this studio and he was like, guys, I wrote this song. I can't wait for you to listen to it. And whipped out scoopity poop poop. And did he scoop scoop? No one said, no, man. Like, enough people allowed this to happen that that people produced it and then put it on an album and then sent that album out. Like, so many people said, yeah, this is fine. We're going to let him do this. What? I just, like, don't... Like, it's one of those situations that makes me question if I'm, like, on the wrong side of things. Like, <laughs> like am I the crazy Maybe one? Maybe I'm the crazy one. Right? Um, God, it's just insane. But also, like, I think what's even crazier, though, is, like, the super logical side is losing. So, like, what are the crazy people doing that is making them, like, win? Like, what? I don't... I don't necessarily think that that's the case. You're... You hear the crazy things. Right. Right. I don't think... And everyone thinks that there's more crazy people. There's not. It's the same number of crazy people. You just hear about it. And especially now, that's, like, what everyone reports on. Yeah. It's just sensationalism. Yeah. The ideas have always been... The ideas have always been there, just like nobody put them on your Facebook before. Right. I think that's that's one thing. And then also, too, sensationalism means fame. Right. And recognition. 
which I think is such a dangerous slope and is like one of the reasons why I'm like, do I want children? But I also think that our children are going to be so much smarter than us about... Well, I mean, if we make them that way, honestly. Oh, right. But I feel like our children will like have grown up as with social media as a commonplace and will be smarter about... That's a good point. ...how they use it. Because we were like the beta testers, basically. Yeah. So like, I mean, our parents are like the best example of like when we're like mom don't put this on Facebook right but like our kids are going to be like mom I can't believe you put this on Facebook right absolutely yeah um god what a time to be alive that's for real um okay let's do a final wrap up what are you most looking for forward to um, this holiday season, and then give me a goal for 2019. Ooh, okay. Um, well, so because of Ryan's employment at Disney, um, the holidays are the busiest time of year, and actually a lot of people are surprised to hear that. They're like, Disney's open on Christmas? Yeah, bro. Like, the week between Christmas and New Year's is the busiest week of the year you can't even imagine, but all of that starts, like, basically at Thanksgiving. So Ryan's never been able to get time off. Um, so we've never spent Thanksgiving with any family. So in seven years of marriage, we've never had Thanksgiving with anyone. We've never been able to leave. He lived here before that. And actually, he was here eight years. We were on our college program nine years ago. So it's been a minimum of 10 years, really, um, since we've been with family. So we finally, this year, um, Ryan has enough seniority and is high enough up that he was able to get some time off. So we're driving up to my mom's house, mom and dad's house in Tennessee. No, we're not driving, we're flying. Um, but my brother and his wife are coming in from Texas. So to be all together for Thanksgiving is like a really, really, really big deal. So I'm really looking forward to it. Goals for 2019. That is a good question. Because I pretty sure I've decided I want to go for the full marathon in 2020 because um, I signed up for another half in April and I just um, I yeah want, take some time off well it's more like I want to find the right race um, and I think I want to do the Walt Disney World Marathon in January so um, I guess a lot of it will be like training for that maybe we'll have a kid I don't know <laughs> Just casual. We might have a kid. That's something we're thinking about. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a hard question. I mean, I think those are good goals. Like, Thanks. I don't think, yeah. Um, I would say I'm excited to have my first, I don't want to say real Christmas, but Joe and I have been married for like just a year, but I'm excited to have our first Christmas with my family in Ohio because he's only ever done Thanksgiving. So I think that's what I'm looking most forward to because my nephews yes. adore him. That would be really fun. fun. And then goals, I think, for 2019. I think 2018 was a really good year for my career and making money and rebuilding. But I want to be more artistic in 2019. 2018 was like a year of like getting myself back on my feet and 2019 I feel like if I have the expendable income I want to do a little bit more creative things 
liked it. Yeah. Um, I think Ashley and I are probably going to go watch a scary movie. And, or she might go to bed. I don't know. I'm So I just might watch a scary movie by myself, which would make it even scarier. But um, Presley, who's asleep on the floor, will probably be my cuddle buddy. So that'll be nice. Um, guys, I'm so glad Camp Shane Babe's back. And I'm going to try to keep this regular thing. Um, obviously I busy, I got busy and I was like, Oh, I'm never going to go another week without you guys. And then I went like several, several months, <laughs> all the weeks, yeah, I went <laughs> a lot of weeks. Um, I hope you guys like listening to me. If you ever want to be a guest, hit me up camp gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at camp You can find me on my personal Instagram at Shannon Allen music. Ashley is not on the gram. I'm not. Cause she's smart like that. Um, so don't worry about finding her. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't worry about it. Just don't worry. Just don't worry about it. Um, guys, it's been great. It's been fun. It's been real fun. I will see you soon in a lot shittier weather in New York. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Camp Shambay.